0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sumbury. We hope that it blesses you. Are you all awake? You're good to go? Excellent. Are you ready for a bit more revelation? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> be careful for what you wish for. Um, yeah, so I'm in a moment gonna read, continue this uh, series we've started, Ron started last week on the book of Revelation. And I'm gonna read from Revelation chapter two, the first seven verses. And as Ron said last week, this uh, book, the very last book in the Bible, is really about um, Jesus being unveiled, if you like, God being revealed uh, to us. And just listening to those testimonies and, and, you know, joking apart, you could kind of just let each of you just carry on coming and telling your stories. It's a a great way to learn, isn't it? And, And just spread around. What, ...what God is doing in people's lives. So thank you for those that are coming up and, and, and sharing... ...because it's, it, it's, it's personal and it's not always easy... ...but it, it's, a real, it's a real help to, to hear. So thank you. And, and a little bit because of that... ...I just want to, before I read... ...I just want to say something that I, I have said before... ...when standing up here... ...but it, it's, it's really borne out by what we've heard... ...from these testimonies... ...and, and the same was the true earlier on this morning... ...in sort of quarter past nine service... And, it, and it's this, and it's just really important for us to hold on to. We are, when we are created, we are each born created with a soul life, a soul life within us. That's what we think, it's our minds, it's what we feel, it's our emotions, and it's our wills, how we make decisions. And Jesus too was created with a soul life. But we also have a spirit life. When we're created, we have a spirit that's placed deep within us. And if you like, my way of explaining this is that when we reach that moment, it's a personal thing, it's very individual. When we get to a place when whatever words you use, you are in effect saying, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you, I want to know you. At that point, the spirit placed within us ceases being dormant. It comes alive. And it connects with the Holy Spirit. Because God is made up of three. The Father in heaven, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And there's plenty of places in the, in the Bible, in the Scriptures, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit being given to us as a helper. And it connects with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in us. And through that connection, God's purposes are unveiled to us. They are revealed to us. And that's some of what we've, we've heard already this morning that that's how just through our daily lives through the prayers we pray through the places we go the people we meet the Holy Spirit will prompt us and reveal and guide us what to say what not to say what to do what not to do and just hold on to that because it's very relevant to what we're going to read about and how Jesus works through you guys in the life of the church and the communities in which you live, and your families, etc. So, the book of Revelation, this is John, one of Jesus' followers, who lived with him, and walked with him, and sat under his teaching. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he is writing a message to the churches, and this one to the church in Ephesus. As I said this morning, if you've been on your holidays to southwestern Turkey on the Mediterranean coasts, Bodrum, Marmaris, you may have gone there, or just behind you would have been Ephesus. You can go and visit it. So here was a community of the followers of Jesus who met in this town called Ephesus. And this is John writing to them. John, so this is Revelation chapter 2, first seven verses. Are you ready? Ah, it's up there. Excellent. It will almost certainly be a different version to the one I'm reading. That just makes it more interesting, Okay. Spot the difference. Here we go. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all that you've done for me. I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles And prove they are not, for they were impostors. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love. You did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Although to your credit, you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to all the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give access to feasts On the fruit of the tree of life. The fruit of the tree of life is terminology that's used in other parts of the Bible to refer to Jesus. Okay? So it's a way of saying, to the the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on Jesus, on the fruit of the tree of life that is found in the paradise of God. So, this is kind of God speaking to the church in Ephesus, but but speaking in a sense to all the churches. And the first thing I just want to reflect on is this is that God knows precisely the state that we are in as a group of the followers of Jesus. God knows precisely the state we are in. And the reason he knows precisely the state we are in is because he knows precisely the state you are in as an individual. Me too. I'm not excluded. God knows precisely the state you are in. God knows your hopes and your dreams, your aspirations. He knows how you arrived here this morning, whether you were on the crest of a wave and life and following Jesus is a massive excitement, and adventure and you can't wait for the future or whether you come here um, and life is a struggle and it is just really hard, whether it's in the mental health space, the, space, the physical space as we've heard or circumstances where life is tough. But God knows precisely the state you are in. And he has a simple message for you this morning. And it is simple and yet it is profound. And it is this. That Jesus loves you and he loves you just as you are and not as you should be. Jesus loves you just as you are. He knows everything about you. And he loves you just as you are and not as you should be. So just hold on to that as a bit of context for how God sees you and us as we meet uh, together to follow him. And there is a second thing I just want to say. Fine, he loves us. But also, in order to understand how God sees us. It's kind of important to understand how he sees church, people meeting together to follow Jesus. Do we have a a good and right and healthy perspective on what church is? Because I often think that in other walks of life, you will do it. When you meet together with friends, family, whatever, to have a birthday party or celebrate an anniversary or whatever it might be, Um, On one level, you see people who meet. They might dress a particular way. They might stand up and sit down. They might uh, sing a few songs. Somebody, if you're really lucky, might even make a speech. There's an idea. Um, But people do that kind of thing. And on one level, that's what you see. But, of course, on another level, there's something profound happening at those gatherings. It's not just what you see on the outside. Because, what you see are people sharing common experiences. People respecting and honoring relationships that have been formed over many years often. Relationships that have been forged through good times and bad times, through the highs of life and the lows of life. Where people have stayed together through trials and celebrated great joy and happiness, there's all of that panorama of life that's actually being played out and all of those relationships, things that feed identity and purpose, that's playing out as well as just what you see people doing. That is the same when we come here to meet together as followers of Jesus because Actually, whilst there are certain things that we do, and if you've come in here for the first time today and you're thinking, what are these people doing? You know, I I, I sit down and they stand up, I I stand up, they sit down, and people do various things. And Yes. But actually, what we're doing here today is holy and it is sacred because it is part of a big God idea that goes back to before the universe was found. And what we do here today is also part of God demonstrating his wisdom. You are evidence of God's wisdom. Yes, I find that quite surprising too. Um, But it's true. And it's not just because I've made this up. So having a right attitude, a bright perspective on what is happening here when we meet together to follow Jesus, it's kind of important. Otherwise, we might miss the point. So, I'm just going to read a passage from a letter written, guess what, to the same bunch of people who met in the same place in this place called Ephesus. This is Paul. Paul, one of the kind of great founders of the early church who had his life turned around when he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because as many of you will know, Paul, in his own strength, when he did what he thought was right, when he did what he felt was right, was one of the great persecutors of the early church who went after the followers of Jesus, was responsible for some of the earliest, earliest leaders, if you like, of, of, of the church being, being killed. And then he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus unveiled himself to Paul and said, I have a call on your life and I have a purpose for you. And he turned his life around 180 degrees. And he became one of the great advocates of the followers of Jesus. And here is Paul writing a letter to the followers of Jesus who met in the church at Ephesus. And he chose us, he being God. And God chose us to be his very own. Joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us, to adopt you as his delightful children. God sees you as his delightful children. And through our union with Jesus Christ, the anointed one, so that... His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved son, Jesus, he has for you, for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. That is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus chose you before the beginning of time. And he wants you here. And he has that great love for you, which is why I say he has a message for you, that he loves you, and he loves you just the way you are, not the way you should be. So, first part, we're part of something that's part of God's big plan. Later in the letter, in chapter 3, I'm going to read from uh, verse 7-ish, 7 and 8. You remember I talked about you. You guys represent God's wisdom. My passion, says Paul, is to enlighten every person to the divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm. So to show every living being in heaven God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. There you go. So, when we meet here, just remember you're part of a big God idea. Where God has specifically chosen you, knowing everything about you. And that's why he knows precisely the state we are in. Oh, and by the way, he says to you, he says to you, you've already heard me say it, he says, he says, thank you. He says, thank you for all you've done for me. So for you guys, and all of you have stories, some came up with the microphone, but he says, thank you, because you have worked hard and persevered you tested those two that are called to be apostles. This is when he says, you guys need to be careful of people like me, okay? Dodgy teaching is not healthy. He loves it when you're passionate for him, and you go after good teaching, and you find out about God. When you read the word, you discuss it together, but he also says, watch out for dodgy teaching. It does happen. This, of course, is a brilliant sermon. (laughs) I could see that's what you were thinking. But you need to check it out. You need to check it out. But he says thank you, and he acknowledges what you've done. He acknowledges your discernment. He thanks you for not being discouraged when times get hard, because they do. He thanks you. And he thanks you for the encouragement you are to one another. And then he gives two little prods two little prods, because he mentions these guys, the Nicolaitans, who he doesn't much like. And he says, although to your credit, you despise the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise. Now, the thing about the Nicolaitans is this, they're just like you and I, this is the watch out. Um... I don't know how many rules and regulations you have in your homes to organize yourselves and get stuff done. I, I don't know whether you're big into rules and regulations. If you go back through the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Leviticus and all the rest of it, there are, somebody will know, how many rules and regulations to guide your life? Just shut up, you were here this morning. <laughs> Did I hear a number from the back? Excellent. Excellent. 613, I don't know whether that's a lot or a little, it's slightly more than we have in our house, and I don't manage to follow most of those. 613, the thing about the Nicolaitans that God was saying, you've got to watch out for these guys, is guess what, I'm over here with this image of what we do in our soul life, with what we think is a good idea, what we feel is a good idea, instead of being led by the Spirit. Because the Nicolaitans added to what God has revealed they introduced new rituals and new traditions and God is saying through this passage don't do it don't do it go with what the Spirit reveals take my word understand it get good teaching but don't add to it otherwise we put burdens on ourselves and stuff that we don't need You don't need any rules or regulations. You need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So that's the one thing. Don't add. Don't add to what God has shown us. It never ends well. Um, And the other thing is, there's a bit of a prod to say, hey, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. You've abandoned the passionate love for you, for me that you had at the beginning. You know, God is passionate about you. As I've already said, your circumstances, your context, who you are, where you go. He's passionate about you. And he loves it when we're passionate about him. And the thing is this when we think about life at church now listen I, I I don't have to kind of run the church organize it all the rest of it it's brilliant you because Ron and some other Roe and some others so you do all that um, but here's the thing um, I reckon now I'm using words deliberately like I reckon because I don't know <laughs> I just don't know um, but the thing is When I look at what the early church set out to do, they didn't try many endeavors. They didn't have a big to-do list. They really didn't set out to do very much. And I've just got this nagging feeling that the way they set about following Jesus and doing life together probably would be regarded by many churches as a completely inadequate way to go out and do life today. Except they did their thing. And it changed the world. If you want to get passionate about Jesus, they did just four things. Four things. They went after good teaching. They were passionate about understanding the heart of God. So they read the word, they discussed it, they reflected on it, and they believed it. They went after good teaching. So again, be careful of people like me. Get good teaching. They were in good relationship We've heard a bit about that already, haven't we? They were in good relationship. There was nobody in that, in that family of people that if they had a financial need, if they needed food, if they needed a roof over their head, if they needed comfort or help, they got it because they were in good relationship. They broke bread and they drank wine. In the language you and I use today, they took communion together. Because in doing that, they put Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, those crosses that are up behind me on that, uh, on that artwork, they put that right at the heart of the way they were living. Now, I don't know about you. Yeah, we take communion here. We share bread to remember Jesus' body broken for us. And yes, we drink wine to do that. But you don't have to do it just here. You can do it with your brother, your sister, your mates, You can do it with your partners in life, your husband, your wife, whatever. You can do it at home. You can do it every day. Put breaking of bread, sharing of the wine, or whatever you want to drink, to put Jesus at the center of things in your daily life. And the fourth thing they did, they prayed. They prayed. Because that's where the Holy Spirit kind of reveals things to us. And things happen. Whether it's bollards removed, you can turn right instead of left, or was it left instead of right? I can't remember... Things get done because the Holy Spirit reveals things. Get passionate about reading the Word. Get into a good relationship. Break bread. Drink wine. Pray. And never stop praying. Never stop praying because when I read the Bible, actually following Jesus ends up, it strikes me as being really quite simple. Love your neighbor. If you pray, God will show you who your neighbor is. He'll bring you, in neighbors. Whether it's somebody you meet on the street, on the bus, on the train, or family. Forgive those that do you harm. I don't think you can do that in your own strength. I think you need the Holy Spirit to guide you. Give to the poor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Actually, when you read it, it's, it's it's not difficult. Or rather, I should say, it's not complex. But it can be difficult. Because when we try and do things in our own strength, ultimately, it's just not the same as if we do things that the Holy Spirit reveals. So, that's the last prod, isn't it? Get passionate about those things that the early church did. And you will see God move personally in the detail of your life. Not because I say so, but that's the heart of God. So as I finish, I just want to leave you with that thought. I want to leave you with a thought, a nagging feeling deep within you, that actually Jesus has got more for you than you are currently experiencing right now. Just hold on to the fact, that nagging thought, that Jesus has got more for you than you're experiencing right now. Because as you develop that passion for him, if you chase after him, he will give you more. So just hold on to that. Let's have a moment of quiet, and then we'll leave you in Rose's capable hands. Just reflect on that. He's got more for you. You reflect God's wisdom. And he wanted you here since before the beginning of the universe was formed. For more information about Saint Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviussunbury.org.uk